Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Whiskey Raiders podcast. My name is Jay, better known as Take on the Internet. I have a glass of whiskey in front of me, and John and I are going to open up the mailbag tonight. So I think uh, normally I kind of draw out the opening, but let's just go ahead and dive on in. How are you doing, John? I'm doing very well, man. Uh, I like going right into it. It's kind of like usually when you're talking about stuff is when I'm just like, I'm going to take this time to drink some of whatever we're going to be drinking tonight. <laughs> and so I'm kind of sneaking my sips in while you're doing your thing. Uh, but, you know, we can mix it up. We can mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I figured I'd throw you off your rhythm, catch you off your guard. Yeah, you got me good. Well, I mean, I'm still drinking the whiskey, so I guess it all works out good for everybody. But uh, yeah, tonight I think let's do a little... Uh, digging into some questions here that we've had from listeners. I think we can have some fun with that. Yeah, we've we've got an interesting episode coming up. We've actually already recorded it. We cannot wait to share it with you, but uh, we got to wait for a little bit of a deadline. So you know it's going to be an exciting one. And so tonight, John and I, um, if you guys are part of our Discord community over at the WhiskeyNet, you can find us on Discord if you like to chat day-to-day or just learn about and absorb whiskey. But we also open up a section of the server to ask questions that you would like us to kind of sit and ponder and, uh, and marinate on. And then we, we hit on them here in discussion type format. So what do we, what do we have for us tonight, John? Okay. So this is a question that came in again, as you mentioned through the discord community that we're putting together. And the question comes from Joel and he says, do you see the trend of cask strength wearing off? He goes on to then say, there are obviously plenty of proof down options for the casual drinker. However, in recent years, we've seen producers intentionally marketing barrel or cask strength as the ideal option. I like where he's going with this. Now with blending seemingly on the rise, I wonder if we'll see a turn towards proofed appropriately or some other alternative to selling cask strength whiskey. Let's dig into this. I think this is a good topic. Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I think, you know, if we start to kind of you know, I, I like to think of questions like these as like an onion, right? Like there's a bunch of layers. And if we start at kind of the surface level, the whiskey industry hasn't always been about barrel proof. Like historically, it was pretty rare to find things like single malt whiskey or cast strength whiskey or things that like really took whiskey from being a commodity good that people drank just like a like a macro Pilsner beer into something for like people to really obsess over and dig into and want to enjoy as un- adulterated as possible. And I think we've really, correct me if I'm wrong, we've really seen the rise of that in like the last five to seven years. Like I, you know, when I was getting in whiskey, you could buy cast strength stuff, but it was not the selling point that it is today. Yeah, that's absolutely a fair way to look at it. It's certainly something where, I mean, there are some sort of uh, historic things like Booker's comes to mind that has always been what it is, meaning it has always been a cask strength bombshell but like that has not been like the main beam portfolio. Right. And it's like you also looking back five years, 10 years, more than that, there isn't really a lot of brands putting something that is a cask strength or barrel proof option out there as their flagship. They're not saying like, this is our best stuff. And, or our, maybe not wording it as best stuff, but this is our like white label. And then from there, spinning off into other things. You know, there's usually the 80 proof or 90 proof option that is their mainstay. And then from there, it's kind of like, okay, well, the enthusiasts want it. So here it is. This is the cask strength. That's a good point. And I think, you know, we're getting to the point where someone can make the argument of like, well, it's only because everyone also prefers single barrel whiskey, right? Like single barrel is a very hot term. 
It's a very hot product. It's extremely overloaded in the market. But then I think back to like seven years ago, I was buying like weird Jim Beam single barrels that were like $30 and also proofed down. Like it was a single barrel release. Yep. And it was proofed, I want to say it was like 92 or 96 or something. Like proofed whiskey has always been more of the norm than not. And like companies like Wild Turkey and Beam released bookers and stuff as like a one-off. But now we're seeing more and more and more barrel proof from those brands. And I think Joel is kind of right to say like, are people getting tired of this? Like do people do, and like a lot of enthusiasts have been like, let's go higher, like Hazmat or Hazmat Plus. Like I saw someone bragging about a Canadian whiskey distilled to 80% ABV. And I tweeted about the other day on Twitter. You can find me there. But like, like do people enjoy that kind of stuff? Because at this point, there was a day when I certainly chased proof, but now I'm like tired of it. Like I, Admittedly, I have a cast strength right in front of me, and that's like that's high proof. Like I really seem to drink less and less barrel proof outside of barrel program stuff than I think I ever have before. Yeah, I feel like I, I may have dodged a little bit of the bullet on this, having been like kind of a boring whiskey drinker for a long time. And by that I mean <laughs> like I cut my teeth on like Ezra and Jim Beam Black and Evan Williams, like things that were not high proof, right. but had, you know, modest age to them. And so that's probably why I lean towards something that's usually a little bit older, darker, richer, whatever. Anyway, I tend to think that as the whiskey finally sort of grew into its body, meaning that like the amount of people who are going to buy any damn new thing that comes out is higher than it's ever been. It's great. Like I always say, these are the good old days of whiskey. This is what we want. This is good. The other side of that is like you get things like the way Joel worded his question, I think was very intentional. And he said, do you see the trend of cask strength wearing off? I understand why he worded it that way because it certainly does seem to be a trend now. Like the folks who are going to chase proof and think that a release can only be good if it's barrel proof. Like how could you sell a short by releasing this at 108 proof you're killing us like this would only be good if it was cast strength this is stupid like that is where i feel like the slippery slope begins when we allow any metric to cloud our vision of the whiskey or our objectivity to where we can no longer just taste it and say it tastes like this i like these things about it i dislike these things about it and like trying to force it to be like, oh, geez, this was only 109 proof. Like, sure, it was cask strength, but it wasn't 120. Yeah. Like, is does that really make it better? I don't think so. Personally, I think it's good when it's good, and it can be good for more than just the ABV. So That's I think that in that sense, it's definitely a trend. And of course, marketing departments are going to run with that. Like, why wouldn't they? They'd be stupid not to. It's their fucking job. But at the same time, it's a little cringy. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I think it's cringy. What I, I think my perspective on the matter is that whiskey is bigger than it's ever been before, right? And so, if we go back maybe ten years, right, like the scene, the scene of whiskey was super different. We had just a lot less options. And so, as the world of whiskey has been like explosively growing, like whiskey's become very popular, it's blowing up in new countries. Like there's just more demand that also unlocks a brand's ability to try new things. And I'm going to call on probably probably one of my favorite brands for date right now and that's Knob Creek because Knob Creek has a little bit of everything. And before, you know, you had Knob Creek, you had the 9 year small batch, it was 100 proof, and you had a single barrel, there's 120 proof. 
and, and that was kind of that was kind of it. Like they maybe had a rye and they had the smoked maple, which we don't really talk about because no one should really put themselves through that experience. But right in in the recent years, we've seen both of the things that we've wanted. Right, like we've seen cast strength releases, we've seen limited edition releases, and what makes me think that maybe cast strength isn't a trend in the way that like that Joel's positioning here is like. Yes, that was the next thing that enthusiasts wanted. Um, but now Knob Creek is continuing to expand. We're seeing a 15-year limited edition at 100 proof. We're seeing an 18-year limited edition at 100 proof. And before you kind of are like, oh, well, you know, that's just Knob Creek. They're doing one thing. Like We've seen it with Wild Turkey. They've got Rare Breed, a barrel-proof option. They've got Kentucky Spirit, a proof down but single-barrel option. They have Russell's Reserve, which is a proofed but very close to barrel-proof single-barrel option. And I think for once, like, the whiskey industry is justified in growing in size that you can have both a barrel-proof release and also non-barrel-proof releases that are proof to some, whether it's a brand point or a point that people are very comfortable with. And for once, like the distilleries have so much interest in all their products, they can cater to all these people at one time. So maybe maybe is the ship writing? Like are, are other trends also growing? And and I have to say, like, I just think there's so many people in whiskey right now that like if you assume that everyone's on the same trajectory, like everyone's getting over cast strength at the same time. Like you're leaving a lot of people who are just getting into whiskey and wanting high proof stuff. So maybe, maybe this is just like the industry healing itself now that it's big enough to justify having one of all these different types of products. Okay. Yeah. Those are some good points. I really like where you mentioned that maybe there are a lot of things sort of evolving at the same time, a lot of things sort of expanding. And I think Joel mentioned in the question, actually, um, Blending specifically, I think that's a great way to look at it. Blending, finishing, small batch expressions, and the amount of things. And like, I don't want to like put finishing whiskey on a pedestal because I feel like that in and of itself is another topic that becomes its own slippery slope. It also makes its own gravy at the same time. There's a lot to talk about there. A lot of it could be seen uh, very negatively. But I would also probably like to... Yeah, I'll definitely do this. I want to take Joel's question and then sort of spin on it a little bit and ask it to you again with some different wording. Oh boy. Joel's original question was, do you see the trend of cask strength wearing off? I would like to rephrase some of that and then steal most of it, pretend it was my own idea, and say, (laughs) how much of barrel-proof or cask strength whiskey do you think is marketing? And you can look at that in more than one way. But like there are plenty of brands out there that will release single barrels that say cask strength and they'll call them 120 proof, for example. Mm. Where we all know that that's really not the cask strength of it. So like, let's talk a little bit about that. Is that more marketing spin than anything else? Like how much of the barrel proof or cask strength wording is just to get it on the label? I mean... I, I couldn't I could not agree more in saying like I think that's a big part of it, right? Like people it's interesting that people really put barrel proof in cast strength, which are the same thing, you know, it, it comes out of the barrel or the cask undiluted right into your bottle. A lot of people think that's a marker of quality. And that's something I try and convince people not to think like that. Like it's it's a feature or it's a it's a characteristic of the whiskey, but it's not a guarantee of quality. But, you know, it's kind of like, it's like bottled and bond without teeth, right? Like bottled and bond has to mean something. And it absolutely has to be X or Y or X and Y. 
and and definitely not Z or A or B or C or whatever, you know, to be these things. Um, and until recently, anything could be cast strength on the label hypothetically because it wasn't legally enforced, really. So that's a tough one for me. I think in the future it will be different because it will have to stand for something and people will know like, oh yeah, right. like there was no dilution. Like this is exactly how it came out of the barrel. And and I think where the rub comes in is a lot of people also say, this is how it came straight out of the barrel just as the master distiller intended. And that's the part that I think is marketing fluff because I speak to master distillers all the time who are like, I would never release it a barrel proof, but I have to because we have a barrel proof product. Like I prefer right. it this proof. Or I love people like, hey, what's your favorite proof? And they go, well, it depends. Like, how's the cask showing it? 117 versus 114 or 112. Or, you know, so I think a lot of people assume that the only right way to drink whiskey is cast strength and unadulterated, when really that's just a way to drink whiskey. And I don't think something always shows better at a higher proof. Otherwise, we would all be drinking vodka, which is my two cents. I know that's yeah. kind of that's like a very dramatic bombshell, but like higher proof does not equal better, and therefore, like you know, that's why I don't enjoy drinking eighty percent grain alcohol. Like it's just I gross. Know, nobody <laughs> fucking likes that, and if they say they do, they're just fucking lying. Yeah, they're a little bit they're a little bit fuzzy after drinking eighty percent right. alcohol spirits. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I think those are good points. I would agree with a lot of that too. I have a really hard time assigning like any one metric to be the marker of quality for whiskey. Right. Right. Like it like if it was if there was one right way to do it, every fucking brand would do it. Like there wouldn't be 80 proof bourbon on the shelf because it would not be as good as whatever, 162 proof or something. Like pick a number. Right. So if there was one right answer, everybody would do it that way. Clearly there is not. And also economics come into play here too. Adding water to it, proofing it down, gives a bigger batch, more volume, more to sell. Like there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle and no one piece is the one that makes or breaks the whole damn thing. And and to furthermore add on that, I know it's kind of shifting the timeline a little bit, but when people are like, well, it has to be barrel proof to be good. I love like, I get this like dumb smirk on my face and I go march into my basement and find like, a 1990s Anderson County that's 86 proof, where I go find like that wild turkey, cheesy gold foil that's not barrel proof. You know, it's high enough proof, but it's not barrel proof for, you know, a lot of these old historic releases, or, like the very, very old Fitzgeralds that are bottled and bond, like that demonstrate that some of the most coveted whiskey in the entire world has, is not barrel proof and it never was meant to be. And people will still pay gigantic sums and absolutely idolize just like the living shit out of these whiskeys and like the proof isn't everything. Like it's definitely, it's a piece of the pie and it's worth considering. Um, but historically proof hasn't been everything. And I still think a lot of producers choose not to do everything barrel proof. And I think that's okay. Okay. I'm with you. I think that moving forward, I would really like to see clearer definitions and enforcement on the terms cask strength and barrel proof. As you mentioned, we're, we're getting there. That is, Oh yeah. That is the future that we're looking forward to. Uh, if that is followed through properly, I think that would be great uh, to piggyback on that a little bit. I would like to see finished whiskey sort of uh, defined and regulated tighter as well. Oh, yeah. But that's just like, you know, if I'm making a wish list here. So coming back full circle here to the very beginning, do you see the trend of cask strength wearing off? You know... I, I think that people, 
it, it's hard for me to say because like I see I see more and more whiskey every day, and honestly, a lot of it is barrel proof. I think that yep. I don't think that barrel proof is getting any less popular, but I do think people are realizing that there is also room for other whiskeys. And so I'm gonna say I don't think it's wearing off. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think that people are just realizing that if you have room for a hundred bottles on your bar, they don't always need to be a barrel proof whiskey. Like there's a lot of uh, variety to be had. And that as long as something, you know, 80 proof is always kind of a red flag. Like it's not a sign that it will be bad, but like typically legal minimum paired with like being really young and maybe having additives and being super cheap, like it's probably not the marker of a good whiskey. But if you have a bar in a hundred percent of your bottles are all similar ages and similar proofs, that's just not interesting. And I, I pride myself on having a an eclectic and interesting variety of things because I am in different moods all the time and I want to be able to have something that I'm in the mood for. And so that's my perspective is I think cast strength isn't getting less popular. There's just people, like there's more room now for other expressions to exist and thankfully people are starting to buy them. Yes, totally, totally agree. I Every time I get the question... John, what's your favorite bourbon or what's your favorite whiskey? Like it, that's an impossible answer. So rather than try to come up with like a, an answer that would probably change every three months, what I usually do is just say that I have too much whiskey, more than I could ever drink in a lifetime. But the way that I use that is like a spice rack. Like you mentioned, I'm in a different mood here or there. I might be in the mood for something a little bit more brown sugar or a little bit nutty or a little bit whatever. And as you shift through different moods or you're craving different things, you reach for a, a pour that kind of matches that mood you're in. And that's where I'm at with it. And that's not always like, actually, I could put it this way. It is just about never about proof. I'm never like, oh, geez, I'm in a 110 proof mood tonight. <laughs> right, so right. For me, it's more about the flavor than anything else, which makes it easy for me to sort of answer Joel's question by saying, no, I don't see the trend of this wearing off. I would agree that it is certainly trending. But I think it is, like Jay said, not the only thing that is. And I would also just caution the gentle listener out there in the world that ABV can hide a lot. Just because it's super high proof doesn't mean it's good. Just like Jay was mentioning, it's not a marker of quality. Be careful with what you're buying, or at least with the reasons with which like why you're buying that bottle. Be cautious. Don't buy it just because it says it's barrel proof or don't skip it because it's not. You will make mistakes doing that. Let the flavor be your guide. I think that's perfect. That explains it great. And honestly, you know, five, seven years ago, like there was a lot less barrel proof. So it was kind of new and it was novel. And like it was a guarantee that the producer hadn't really messed with it at all. But now, you know, I trust people. Like it doesn't have to be barrel proof to be good. Just be be more careful with the eighty proof stuff, but I think that's a that's a perfect note to end on, because you know it's it's a complex question, and I'm sure in five years we'll we'll we should come back to it because I'd be curious to see totally. what the world of looks like. But I mean, yeah, the world of whiskey has changed a lot, but I don't think cast strength is going anywhere. I think producers are willing to really put the work into some amazing ninety proof. I mean, Eagle Rare Ten is ninety proof, and it's always been awesome. So I, I think you know barrel proof's here to stay, but there's so much other good whiskey to kind of lock yourself in that corner as well. Fair enough. I mean, to the listeners who were around for our Christmas episode where I did wish for Eagle Rare to go back to 101 proof, <laughs> that still is my wish, just so you know. Yeah. But that That's just a history thing, not a proof thing. A little bit of a proof thing, but only because of the history. Fight me. 
I yeah, I mean, and there's nothing to say. Like, I wish it had a little more proof. But, you know, the difference at Eagle Rare at 10 years between actual barrel proof is still like 20 proof points. So uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with wishing for a little more proof. But if you're like, oh, man, I wish this Eagle Rare was 155 proof. Like, I kind of don't. Like, the, then the it amount would be of times good. I'm in, <laughs> the amount of times <laughs> I'm in the mood for that is very rare. <laughs> yeah, it, it's extremely rare. I love it. Well, this has been an awesome time. Um, guys, like we said, if you are part of our Discord community, you can ask us questions all the time. We tend to answer, you know, as many of them as we can. We have a lot of stuff to cover. We have an actual upcoming episode we're super pumped about. We can't share it yet, but the embargo is almost up. We can share it soon. Really looking forward to that. And proof comes into the conversation there, too. So this has been an exciting kind of fun industry insight look at what John and I have been thinking lately. Um, if you're looking for more from John, you can find him at The Bourbon Finder on Instagram and at thebourbonfinder.com. Uh, he's got a lot of great thoughts, a lot of great series, a lot of great reviews up there. And if you're looking for more from me, you can find me at whiskeyraiders.com. I am Tick, better known as Jay, and we will see you here in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.